Thank you, Paul. Uh, great to be here with you today. And uh, if you're watching online, welcome. And also to the second service at Eagle Hawk. Great to uh, have you with us. I can almost hear the cheer from here. Um, today we continue our series, Generous. And uh, it's a series that's built on this uh, truth, this idea uh, that because God's a generous God, uh, it's very much a part of who he is. As believers, as followers, as Christians, uh, we are to live a life of generosity in all the spheres of our life. I was driving to Eagle Hawk this morning around 7.30 and it was a crisp Bendigo uh, morning. It was, uh, the sun was shining, there was no clouds, uh, it just had that real nice uh, crisp morning about it. And uh, I was just looking around and, and I, I can't help, I couldn't help but think that um, God is such a, a good and generous God and uh, just looking at creation um, and experiencing in the early morning. Um, I was in a meeting a couple of weeks ago and there was about 10 of us and the question was asked, would you prefer to go for a walk in nature or stay at home and watch a movie? And the overwhelming response was 100% of the response was that people would prefer to go for a walk in nature than stay inside and watch a movie. Now, that says something about um, how we connect with nature and the generosity and the beauty and the goodness of God uh, that we see around us. There's no question. God is a generous God. We see this in uh, him giving his son, his son giving his life for us. And um, it's our... Uh, it's a part of who he is. It's our responsibility. It's our re reflection or our um, Christian duty, you could say, to, um, to be generous uh, to those around us. And um, so far in the series, we looked at being generous in our finances, uh, what it's like to be generous at home, uh, generosity last week in the church. And today I want to look at what it means to be generous in the community. Um, a couple of years back, maybe about 10 because it was before I got here, Bendigo Baptist asked this question. If we were to shut our doors tomorrow, would the community miss us? Would we be missed? Now, I don't know if that's verbatim, but I've just heard this, uh, this thing being, or this statement being um, used around the place. But it was the catalyst to the beginning of BBCCI. And I sat in a meeting here last week and I listened to... Uh, the amazing work that has happened at BBCCI. I, I think of uh, uh, Mad Cow and everything that is uh, that ministry is doing. I think of the, the op shop. I think of Nexus. I think of Gilead. I think of all that happens down there is all because this church asked a question and as a result, the generosity of, of, um, of God's people has rolled out in the community. It's outstanding. And... Uh, so this morning I want to draw from a passage of scripture. There's many other ways that that actually happens in our community. We've got um, chaplaincy out in the, in the foyer. We've got Gideons. We've, there's, there's many ways that this generosity um, is, is happening uh, in the community. Parachurch organisations are, are very present. But this morning I want to look at a passage of scripture that um, I think has got some really good principles in it for us to live this life um, of generosity. It gets below uh, just baking a meal for your neighbour. This is stuff that should drive us and motivate us. And it's in Acts 1. It's a, a passage of scripture that we're very familiar with. Acts chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, 
If you don't have them, it's on the screen there. We're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 4. Acts is uh, written uh, by Luke. It's part 2 of uh, his instalment right at the beginning of the New Testament. Um, it's uh, in this... Acts chapter 1 is, is in this period where Jesus is risen and he appears to many over a 40-day period. In Acts 3, you'll see... Um, in Acts uh, 1, 3, you'll see that. Um, Acts 1 sets the stage uh, for the establishment of, of the church and the spread of the gospel. Um, it's the fulfilment of uh, something that John reflects in chapter 16 of his gospel, 5 to 6, that it was um, on the departure uh, of Jesus from this earth, the, the ascension of Jesus, that we see this move and this coming of the Holy Spirit into the setting. And uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 4. Verse 4 of Acts chapter 1 says this, Once when he, Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptised with water, but in just a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? It's a question that was on their lips um, a lot. Jesus replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's four things in this, uh, this passage that are worth noting this morning that will help us live this life of generosity in the community. And the first that you will notice is that Jesus commanded his disciples to wait. Verse 4, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. One of the principles that I think is uh, undervalued in our community is, is the, the principle of obedience or submission. We live in a self-centred culture. It's all about us and what we want. Um, it even feels dangerous for me to say that this morning because I'm, like you, someone who struggles with this. I'm, I'm just as broken as every, everybody else. What uh, the series The Revolutionary Disciple unpacked was this idea of being able to come under something, to obey something, to submit to something. And uh, for those who know me well, you'll know that I've been reading some stuff in the spiritual formation uh, material over the last couple of years, about uh, halfway through the first year of the pandemic, I came to this point of asking the question um, about my calling, am, am I called um, to ministry anymore? I had this huge uh, dilemma that was going on, and it was in the first year of the pandemic, and so I googled. What does it mean to be a disciple? And up comes all this stuff around spiritual formation, something that I'd done at Bible College, and I began to re-engage with um, some of the readings. And I'm reading a book at the moment called Alone with God. And uh, you may chuckle at this, it's a, uh, a reflection of a monastic order that was in the 1700s. So um, 
but he, he's got this chapter on obedience and there's 12 levels of obedience. Someone who sits in a cave in Italy somewhere has probably too much time to think and came up with 12 levels of obedience. But the last one really struck me, right? And I want to read it to you. It says this, Obedience reaches spiritual maturity when it is practised with an upright intentionality, absolutely pure of vainglory, hypocrisy, false emulation, when you seek neither to appear good nor to be praised, but only to please Jesus. Pure love of Christ enables us to obey no longer like servants, but like sons and daughters of God. It was that last phrase that grabbed my attention. You know, we often say we serve and worship a a wonderful God. That's just something that we say, and I I agree with that. I mean, uh, last week we heard Trina brought us a beautiful message around what it means to be generous in service. I totally get that. I'm totally on board with that. But what happened uh, for me when I read this, and it was kind of like the scales fell off my eyes, is that I was living maybe more out of being a servant than out of being a son or a daughter of the living God. John 1 says this, But but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. This is an incredible truth. We are part of a family. This has been a big change for me. As suddenly I realised that responding, God out of, responding to God out of servanthood, um, that idea of being a bond servant with God, you know, that, that, that idea that if you're um, uh, with a master for a servant to a master for seven years, you can make a decision on the seventh year if you're going to stay or go. And if you decide to stay, there's a mark put on you and then you're owned by the master. It's that kind of thinking that sat heavily in me and I still think servanthood is a really powerful thing. But imagine operating out of, out of the fact that you're family. This is, it's incredibly special to be part of a family. Um, I, I, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. I, I come from that perspective this morning and I realise that people um, didn't have that, haven't had that same experience. But my experience was is that I felt, I felt um, trust and I felt forgiveness and I felt the care and the nurture of my parents. I felt um, the teaching from my parents. I, I felt um, like I had this identity as a Johnston um, because I belonged to this family. I could go into... Um, uh, the family home and, and like I, I am at home at the moment, I can put my feet up on the, on the, on the couch sort of thing. You know, if I came into your house, I wouldn't do that, okay? I wouldn't, I wouldn't push those sort of boundaries. But I, at home, you feel like you can just, you know, get in a lazy boy and up goes the feet and you, you yourself. Um, you know, I, I, I think that coming out of... Out of the fact that we are sons and daughters of the creator of the universe, we are a part of a kingdom, is an absolute privilege to obey. It's not out of servanthood, it's out of a a position that we have with Christ as sons uh, and daughters. Dave Lovell um, often uses the phrase at the moment, obedience is the engine room for transformation. I believe that. 
You know, when we live in that space of being, um, recognising who we are, we can't help but love the fact that Jesus directs us, leads us, and we want to obey and we want to follow him. You know, in uh, that great commandment that was left for us, um, go and make disciples, and it says this, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. I googled the commands of Jesus one day, and it came up, I think there's 49 of them. Um, Google it, you'll see all all the commands of Jesus there. Second thing that I notice in this passage is the coming of the Holy Spirit, and this is a great part of the story. Um, uh, in, in verse 5 there, um, he says that they'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Um, this is, I, I don't want to get into a, a deep theological discussion this morning about this. I want to simply look at this uh, with the reality of what was going on at the time. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon them and amazing things happened. The rest of Acts Um, you'll see all of what was going on. Paul writes um, writes this in Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you realise that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? When we become followers of Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, The Holy Spirit takes residence in our lives. That's incredible. That's an incredible thing. You know, the Holy Spirit we saw last week gives us. The Holy Spirit says in Galatians 5, um, talks about um, transforming us, uh, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. I don't like the one self-control at the end. You can see that I, I have a, you know, if you've got a big, a big cake in front of me, it's, it's like gone. Um, you know what? People, when, when we are transformed, when people see that in us, when they see the fruit of the Spirit in us, who do they see? They see Jesus. They see Jesus. Um, Paul talks, he says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There's so much here. There's so much theology around the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us. You know, it says in John 16, verse 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into truth. You know, I was someone who fell over the line at Bible college. I was no academic. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shop, as they say. Um, And I, I, I feel like there's just moments where God... Through his spirit just reveals stuff. That even the most educated lecturer maybe at times hasn't been able to explain. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, Paul says. In um, Peter's sermon in Acts 2, if you read that, uh, any great orator will quickly you know, um, conclude that it's it's not a great sermon. I mean, most people here who, who, who can write assignments and sermons um, probably could write something better. Now, I'm just um, repeating something that came out of a reference book there, so don't, don't take me and, and crucify me for that. But um, it wasn't a great, a great sermon, but 3,000 people, 3,000 people gave their hearts to Christ. You see, the Spirit of God was at work 
You know, in John 14, Jesus speaks about the fact that we'll do greater things than he. I, I can't get my head around that. That we'll do greater things than, than Jesus. You know, wherever we go, the Holy Spirit is with us. Whatever we speak, the Holy Spirit is speaking through us. Whatever we do, the Holy Spirit is working through us. I, I, I do a bit of reading here and there and everywhere. Another um, author that I read a bit of is John MacArthur, and he says that um, we need to learn to let the Spirit take over our lives. We need to have an infilling that the Spirit just um, seeps in every crevice of our life. The third thing that you'll notice in this passage is that Jesus commands the disciples to be witnesses in the community around them. Jerusalem first and then spreading out from there. And this is, this is a verse that um, I've taken heart from over the years. Why? Um, because I often think of... Um, the word witness, uh, sorry, I often think of the spreading of the gospel up uh, left. Uh, it's something that evangelists, apostles, prophets would do. You know, the Billy Grahams. Um, but yet here is, is a releasing for every single one of us to be witnesses. We're not, we may not be uh, able to write the greatest um, evangelistic sermon, but we can be a witness of what Jesus is doing in our lives. Uh, the etymology of the, the word witness is uh, from the Greek word uh, martius, I think is, is how you say it. Um, it means a legal or historical spectator who can swear to what he has seen. It's where we get the word martyr from. Now, uh, a martyr is someone who uh, embodies the example of Jesus by willing to die for what they believe about him. Now, I'm not for one minute suggesting this morning that we're going to have a moment out the back somewhere and, um, you know, pin someone to a stake. Okay, so just let that go. Um, what, what, what this is saying to me is, is that um, throughout history there's been great testimony, great witness um, because of those who have lost their lives for the faith and it still goes on to this very day. Right across the globe, there's still people losing their lives for uh, the gospel. You know, even even uh, the, the, uh, the disciples, eight of them were martyred. Um, one survived John. He went um, to Patmos, as we know. Uh, the, the others um, were, were died a horrific death. John the Baptist um, is another one. The list goes on. Paul, Stephen, they all, they all died horrific deaths. Um, when someone is martyred, you know, you'll know about it. It's a big thing. Um, the community will see that. I think of the words of Jesus when he says, uh, God blesses you when, you, uh, when people are, uh, mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all, all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Now, I'm glad we live in Australia. I'm glad that when I went to vote yesterday, I didn't have um, you know, a how-to-vote card from some sort of uh, martyr party. Um, it's, it's a free country. We, we live in a, in a country with freedom of speech, and um, it's, it's a good place um, to be. And I'm so glad for that, but there's still a cost 
For, for, for those who lost their lives, it was a huge cost. Um, for us, it's still a cost to, to, to be a witness. Um, in Australia, you might um, be marginalised or you could be mocked. Um, you look at the, the story of the Good Samaritan, there was, uh, for, for, for him to walk across the road, there was time involved, there was finances involved, there was a cost involved to do that. Um, we read in, in Ephesians this, life, live a life filled with love, following the example of, Christ, uh, example of Christ. He loved us, offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God, are we a pleasing aroma to the people around us? My mum and dad loved roses, so we had a rose garden at home. And um, if you pulled up at certain times of the, of the year and got out of the car, you could smell the roses. They just permeated beautiful aroma. Abraham Lincoln's, I think they used to have, and they were just glorious. And um, mum would cut them and put them in the house, and you could smell it um, when you walked into the house. Are we that sort of aroma we a sweet aroma um, to the people around us to our families to our communities to uh, the neighborhood in which we live I don't know about you but I feel so blessed to be part of the kingdom so blessed in fact I've started a journal I've never done that in my life um, just noting the blessings of God in my life I'm not going weird I, 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 I think it's great to just make note of stuff like that. We're so blessed. We have something to, to communicate to those around us. We, we should be that sweet aroma. The fourth thing is this, and this is I'm gravitating to the end here, um, is that you'll notice in the passage that Jesus asked the disciples to start their witness in Jerusalem. That was local. So the pattern here is, the language is, is that the message started locally and then it just kind of drifted out. And you'll see Acts um, kind of rolls out that way in Acts. Two to seven is all about kind of around Jerusalem and then it kind of drifts um, between eight and twelve into Judea and Samaria and then the rest of the book is around um, the gospel going out even further. So there's this kind of like dropping a rock in a, in a pond. It's that ripple effect that went out um, in the early church. But it starts locally. It starts right here. It starts um, right here um, in Bendigo. And I've, I've uh, managed to get hold of some statistics through the week. And I want to just share a couple of those stats with you. Um, 51% of Bendigo at the last census, so this is the census before the last census, so 2016. 51% don't identify as a person of Christian faith. That's 53,000 people in Bendigo um, don't identify uh, as, as, as followers of Jesus. 36%, um, 40,000 people identify when they tick the boxes. I don't know what the question was, but it was a box around um, secular belief. 40,000 people in Benigo believe or subscribe to um, something that is far from God, to a secular belief. 17% between 2011 and 2016 transitioned away from Christianity to other faiths, 
um, and to uh, more of a secular form of thinking. What an opportunity for us as believers right here in our Jerusalem. Um, I, I was a part of a webinar uh, discussion recently um, that's talk, talking about church planting. And one of, the, one of the stats that was thrown out and I just took, took uh, grabbed my attention was that for us to have a tipping point in a community of people who follow um, Jesus, we need one vibrant church for every thousand people. So to give you the stat here for Bendigo, we need 110 vibrant churches in Bendigo to reach Bendigo or to have a tipping point in Bendigo for the gospel. Um, I don't know uh, how many churches that we've got around that that would be identified as vibrant in, in Bendigo, but I, I'm pretty sure it's not 110. This is a wonderful opportunity for us to um, reach out in the local community um, with the good news of, of Jesus Christ. To witness is the mandate for us. So how does this all point to living a generous life um, here in in, in, in central Victoria, how does it all point? I'm going to kind of gravitate to the end here now. Um, I could have got up this morning and said, well, you know what, we need to just um, get behind uh, the parachurch organisations. I think that's a wonderful thing. Keep doing that. We do a great job of that. I could say get more involved with BBCCI, um, but we're doing a great job of that. I could say sign up for, for um, you know, uh, a local kind of uh, food bank and just put your hand to the plough. Uh, but we're doing a great job of that. And I think we're doing a great job um, witnessing in our community. I'm not talking about door-to-door here. I'm talking about people who radiate the aroma, the sweet aroma of, of God flowing out from us to our families in our neighbourhood. You know, if we're somebody who's going to take the message of Jesus seriously, then we need to be doing what Jesus said, what he asked us to do. We need to be obedient. We need to recognise that we don't go alone. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the, the, the power to do what we need to do. That witnessing will cost you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It will cost you in time and it will cost you in, in resources to do that. But this morning, friends, if God wanted us, if he wanted you and I to just be in a relationship with him, and that's it, he would have taken us to heaven immediately when we were converted. And what that says to me is this. Is there's a reason why he's left us here. And that reason is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And it starts right here in Jerusalem. To be and make disciples in our families, in our neighbourhoods, and in our community. We have the greatest message that we could ever give to anybody. You know, um, Peter talks about been always prepared to give an answer to anybody who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. 
but do it with gentleness, he said. You know, the greatest example of somebody who captures exactly this, obedience, full of the Holy Spirit, martyred, crucified, a passion for the loss is Jesus himself. The word became flesh. I want to leave you with this. The band can come up this morning because we're going to, to conclude this service. Um, I asked the question or I, I used the question at the beginning of this um, sermon that the church asked all those years ago. If the church shut its doors tomorrow, would the community miss us? And I want to ask another question this morning. If you packed up your house today and moved residence, would your neighbours, would your family, and would the community in which you live miss you? You see, the Christian DNA in all of us is to bear testimony to the generosity of God, is to bear testimony to the fact that we are the children of God to everyone around us. Our families, our neighbours, our community, our sporting groups, our schools, our universities, the shops in which we, sh we go to, they need to see us as living examples of Christ. What changes do you need to make today to live generously in the community in which God has placed you? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just come and we're just uh, this morning so grateful for, for who you are. You're an incredible God. We are so glad that uh, we are your children. You're our God and we are your people. It's so wonderful to experience your your love, your grace, your mercy, your care, your protection. Your Lord, your Holy Spirit, it, it's doing, it's, it's done, it's going to do some amazing things in our lives and we thank you for that. Lord, we are so grateful for, that we know that as we move in, in our communities that you are with us, speaking for us, empowering us, moving through us. Lord, help us today to be people who bear testimony to who you are, to bear testimony to the fact that we are your children. Lord, help us to unpack what it means to make those changes. Lord, give us courage and strength to do that well, well, Lord, we just pray and ask most of all that we see this town of Bendigo, this, this area of central Victoria, become a beacon of light for who you are. 
to be salt and light in the community here. Lord, that we'd reach that tipping point of a place that has a heart for you, that is centered on you, that is following you in every area of our life. And so, Lord, we, we ask for that and pray for that now. In your precious name, amen.